Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another Nerdy Bunch review podcast. My name is English Dave here as your host, here with my co-host Shane O'Mac. What's up, Shane? Yo, yo. And Travis, the American Yank. What's up, Trav? <sighs> Trav, if I could hug you, Trav, right now, I'd give you a hug. I'd give you a hug. As we're recording, as we're recording this, Travis, this team, the Philadelphia Eagles, didn't win. I'm sorry. Still but you know a very, what? very fresh wound, Dave. But... You know what? They will get a win. Just like the title character in the movie we're about to review. Robert the Bruce. It's true. That is a poignant point, Dave. I'm glad that we can compare these two. <laughs> we are talking about The Outlaw King, Netflix's latest release, directed by David McKenzie, who previously gave us Hell or High Water, starring Chris Pine. And so he brought Chris Pine back for this one. As Robert with the a Bruce, Scottish accent. With a Scottish <laughs> accent. And we'll be discussing how well he does his accent. I'm going to add that to the question later, Shane. Because mm. Shane and Travis have seen the movie. It's out now on Netflix. I haven't seen the movie. So this means this podcast will be spoiler free. So don't worry. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. Before we get things underway, I will start with the synopsis. The untold true story of Robert the Bruce, who transformed from defeated nobleman to reluctant king to outlaw hero over the course of a year. So I'm going to start off with you guys. Overall plot. I'm going to hit you off Travis first. What did you think of the overall plot? You know, I always look at it or like to look at it in really a historical context. I think that it's a bias just because I am such a history buff. In regards to, I think that movie's hard stop should just be recreations of historical moments. I I think those are blockbusters enough. So when it comes down to that, I like to see something that I hope is accurate to what it was um, historically. And from what I've kind of gathered with my searching, it actually pretty much is, regardless if it's kind of a a snapshot in there. Um, So the plot overall, Dave, it was fine. I felt like I was connected to the plot throughout. There are some moments that I didn't really engage with, but overall, I don't think it was like detrimental to the story. Um, and then the added fact that what I've kind of figured out is that it is semi-accurate, or rather more accurate than Braveheart, which is almost insulting to the Scottish culture. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if that's the bar, it is it is up there. But overall, Dave, I would say... Not to give a number or a letter to it, but I thought the plot was just fine. But I will put that over to Shane, who I'm sure has got plenty of positive things to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, plot. You know what? I wouldn't really say I have a lot of negative things to say about it. But, okay, compared to you, Trev, I don't really look at it at any within any historical knowledge or any, any background. I just look at it a completely standalone movie that is just going to give me this epic story. And overall, I thought <clears throat> the plot was okay, as you said. It was okay, but I didn't feel any moments. It, it was completely flat for me. Um, the events that happened were good, yes, but let's say there's points where you're supposed to feel desperate for the characters, right? Because things are just not going their way and shit's just going down around them. I just didn't feel it at all. Hmm. I push Does around on sense? that. Yeah, I do. There are some moments where I think that we could identify both as the moments that you're supposed to feel something, and then we can each go our separate ways on that. But there are just throughout the plot lines where you're like, damn, this guy and his troop are just like struggling. <laughs> you know, like you're oh, like, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. this guy really has, you know, has gone through some shit here. Um, and I think that to that, Shane, is, is where 
and I'll compare it to Braveheart, not as a straight comparison, but the similarities are obvious, um, to where you could tell that Braveheart was definitely a dramatic retelling, emphasis on dramatic. Um, this seemed like it was a, a, a more tailored towards the history of it, and they and, and and we were talking about recutting it prior to actually recording today. I think all those had variables to it, but I would actually align myself with Shane in in some of those more dramatic moments, um, especially with some characters. There wasn't enough there there to actually feel for them when things of significance did happen to them. And whether that be through the original cut or whether that be through the recut, I'm not sure. But especially with his family and then some of these other characters that we're meant to feel about, uh, things happen to them, and you're really sitting there being like, "Well, that sucks," but eh, you know, don't really didn't really connect with that one anyway. Well, let's back. let's talk about the characters then. Um, this is led by Chris Pine, but it also had Aaron Taylor Johnson in the movie. Uh, with Chris Pine leading this film, Chris Pine is an actor who's kind of been hit or miss with leading films. Um, Separate from the actual narrative itself, the actual plot, Chris Pine as himself, as the, as the character and his Scottish accent. I'll start with you, Shane. What did you think of his performance? You know what? I actually liked his performance, but I thought he did the best that he could do with what he was given. Um, I believed him. I am not no expert in Scottish accent to tell you it was actually good or not. <laughs> and maybe there's only a couple scenes where it kind of took me out where I noticed like, hey, that's not the greatest accent ever but hey i'll give him a pass for that i'm not i'm not too picky on on that sort of stuff but overall i thought he had a very good performance and but also what's his other name aaron taylor taylor aaron johnson T- oh, I yeah, johnson yeah i love this guy he was great in it he was amazing but he was you'd say he's just he's a standout for character me he was standout but he also wasn't given um as much backstory as i wanted him to have as in you you know his backstory by just conversations. I wish we actually saw the scenes of what happened okay. before that led him to become this fucking crazy guy. Uh, Travis, I throw it to you. What do you think of Chris Pine? And uh, do you have comments on his accent? And do you have any standout characters of yourself? Uh, I, I think his accent was fine, Dave. I, it, it sounded... It, I have a feeling that if it doesn't sound too stereotypical, then it's got to be like a good median because apparently... I think, if I recall, listening to some commentary on it, that uh, that um, Mel Gibson's Scottish accent wasn't horrible, and it felt pretty cartoonish at times. Like the notable one, like "With your freedom," you know, like everyone makes fun of that one. <laughs> so there was there wasn't any freedom talks in this one, which was kind of nice. Um, but, director is, I think, the director is Scottish himself, so he was probably like, "Hey, hey." Hey, let's get the, from what I hear, and I, I read a, uh, I read a, a, a mirror review, or it might have been a Guardian review, um, which they say he actually pulled off a decent Scottish accent. So I can only take you know on boots on the ground type information, um, and overall, Chris Pine actually pulled it off for me. I think that this was a role where he actually. Um, dwelled in like i feel like he was genuinely interested with this role and with the history and 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 kind of the portrayal of this character um and that might do to his relationship with the director and they just got good out of each other but i think chris pine actually uh he he earns his his end of shift beers on this one for me um 
at least to the fact and Chris Pine's kind of one of those things where I put him in that gray area of like pretty boy gets out of it kind of thing like uh, Jeremy Renner was kind of in that area for a little bit and then he went on to do more extreme roles and like Matthew McConaughey Matthew McConaughey but Matthew McConaughey can just jump back in if he wants to he can be like whatever I want to go back into that that group and then I can come out of that group also but Chris Pine for me not having enough experience with him actually changed my kind of perspective on him so I thought that he did fine and my standout character Dave um, out of this entire movie uh, was Stephen Delane or perhaps Stephen Dillon I'm not sure how you pronounce that if that E is silent or not at the end anyway he played um King Edward, and he's also famous for his role of Stannis Baratheon in Game of Thrones. I thought he was great. I thought that he brought kind of a tethered professionalism to it, which was really nice. And then without really naming them individually, but I think just as a whole, the surrounding cast of, of second-rate characters, his kind of uh, the surrounding people around Chris Pine and Steven, I thought played very, very well. I thought they were extremely engaging and, and honestly put it all in. But I would say overall... The biggest, in my opinion, the Achilles heel of Netflix as a production company is that they, I don't think, invest enough into their background actors. Just your average (laughs) casting call actors. Because you're sitting there sometimes being like, gosh, what's the, it's like a, it's like the front field and the back field of a painting. It's like if the front was very, very detailed and the rest was like, eight bit pixels right and you're just like there's a difference in in here for whatever reason and i just feel like they're kind of like that even in some of their other productions too i just feel like it takes you out of it a little bit when you have really subpar casting call actors but um you know i think that i was i was enjoying the main people that were supposed to be in the forefront so you know well, let's talk about Netflix production. Uh, this is one of the Netflix production. Fun fact: this is this is actually um, I think it was um, supposed to be a studio film, and then Dave McKenzie and Netflix worked a deal together. And talking about Dave McKenzie and the production, um, what do you guys think of the directing and the visual, the cinematography? I want to encompass all of this into one in terms of the visual feel of the film. Uh, we know that it was actually filmed in Scotland. So they filmed on location. And that had a huge, huge influence on the film. I thought that the, I mean, Netflix films, if anything, are always going to look beautiful. I think Netflix has done a good job in kind of delivering a type of uh, filter to their films. And I think that they really enjoy finding good, um, good landscape, good set. And this Scotland is like, beautiful just from what i can tell from here it makes me want to go to scotland because i was shocked how nice scotland played into this and i thought that the cinematography of it looked very very good um the battle scenes also were pretty well choreographed as well um so i thought that the directing was was i thought the sorry the cinematography was good uh shane as a technical guy what did you think of the cinematography the battle scenes and just the vistas so in positive it was absolutely gorgeous I think it was so good looking, but in a negative way, it was too good looking. So, how to explain that? Um, yeah, I mean, the directing was great in terms of he had so much one shots, but also overdid it in points where it's probably not needed. 
if that makes sense. Uh, I can point out to the first scene when he was battling, just kind of play fighting, sword play fighting at first, and it was all just, just gigantic one shot, which ended in a very cool way with the king opening his tent to like the battlefield, which was... Hey, spoilers. Eh, not really spoilers. It's like just the opening. It's yeah, the, it's not really yeah, it's the opening. It's, okay, yeah, fine. it's like the yeah. first scene. So okay. that was that was I'll very, lie. very cool. But extremely unnecessary. Because you know when you see a one-shot take, it you're, you're so excited that it's a one-shot take that you just keep like, oh my god, how are they doing this? That was me personally. But it was not needed at all. It was not needed. It was at times really really distracting. Yeah, it was just showing off because they're they're play fighting. <laughs> you don't need a one shot take for play fighting. You would want kind of the cuts and you know the close up of the characters. You don't need a camera just doing 360 around those guys. That for mm. me kind of threw me off and there was a couple of times where that happened again. But it did look incredibly good. That's the thing. And I don't like movies like this to look so clean. Also it's probably because it's maybe the first time I've watched like a 4K version of one of those movies i mean i do i do have braveheart and gladiator on 4k but those were shots like 20 years ago um but i i do yeah, like so the, the film the, grain the way it's it looks i don't know how to explain that feel you know yeah. but is it did they have like a gritty dirty yeah look, yeah no more yeah more gritty dirty look that film grain that you know close shots but this was just this beautiful clean image which i'm not against but i wasn't a big fan of but it's not necessarily okay, no, no, it's not I, necessarily I, I a bad that. a negative thing about the movie. not necessarily a negative point okay i see that um let's talk about um, i think you guys touched upon this briefly in, in when you talked about the overall plot but shane i'll start with you the pacing of this film how did it feel we know um, we spoke about just before the podcast and travis alluded to it that the original cut was mm -hmm. a lot longer and the director had to cut it down because people didn't like the pacing um obviously you guys didn't see that original cut but shane what did you think of the pacing of this trash. film it was absolute trash start to finish the pacing was so trash i i it left a, as soon as we started and you saw the what's it called the title scene that kind of sets the tone for the whole movie because the title scene shows up for like 0.5 seconds like it doesn't even get you to appreciate the fucking title that's how how much they had to cut through it yeah, he, he probably cut huh? so much what? <laughs> he probably cut. yeah exactly they probably cut so much and the scenes are not allowed to breathe at all it was just kind of straight to the point and whenever that's done cut whatever that's done cut so when especially him and his wife where their relationship kind of builds up i didn't feel it at all because it just felt like it was so quick but also you did mention that it takes place over a year. So the events yeah. themselves were probably quick. But I would uh, enjoy a dramatized version of it much more. Do, do, do you almost wish this was like a five-episode five episode miniseries? Absolutely, so absolutely. Time? There's two things that would, I would have rather. I would rather if it was a three-hour fucking movie just because it's on Netflix. It's like <laughs> you got all the time in the world. You know, just make it yeah. three hours and <clears throat> let all the scenes breathe and get more into detail, you know, make us feel for the characters and then just end with this epic battle. And it's great. Or, as you said, five hour, um, I mean, five episode miniseries. But what they could have also done is jumped much more between the events. So instead of having, you know, like three scenes with the wife where you kind of see their relationship, just have two scenes and just make the audience fill in the gap by themselves. If that made sense. Okay. Instead, instead of 
trying to force that, force those like two minute okay. scenes where you barely get to see anything. You barely get to feel anything. Just have two big scenes that you kind of just erase the middle and you make that up. And I feel, I feel the whole movie could have been like that. Um, if you're familiar with Macbeth, the movie that came out with, yes. uh, what's it called? Michael Fassbender. Yeah, who was Michael that Fassbender. Yeah, yeah. That like, was yeah. amazing to me. Just because of how the scenes were set and they, they were long, they let it breathe. You, you know, you were connected with the characters. It wasn't too much and it wasn't too little. Yeah, they really took Macbeth was really told kind of in that Shakespearean epic tragedy mm -hmm. style when they paid homage to that. I think that I'm I'm agreeing with uh, Shane on this one, and actually enjoy that idea of pacing it out to be like a mini series. Um, I think overall, when I, at the end of the film, I really didn't. I there's a point where you're like, okay, this could be the final scene but it also could easily be the middle of the movie there is some type of feeling to that where you're like this uh, if you weren't looking at your clock because it's engaging enough where you're like I, I think it goes back to that pacing like there are action sequences throughout a story that and back what agreeing with Shane said like there are some moments where you're like this could have been a bigger scene just like if they took the time in the beginning to really set up the characters and I I hearken back to if anyone's seen Deer Hunter before, there's that very, very long wedding scene in the beginning of the film. It's like an hour long. You're like, Jesus Christ, this is a very long wedding scene. But at the same time, it's setting up that engagement with the characters. So when the rest of the film goes forward, you really feel engaged with their predicament. And that's where this film, I think, objectively lost ground is that they didn't solidify the emotion with the characters there was a scene where like after this isn't a spoiler like he gets married right and then after that they talk and you're supposed to have that be your first connection until some brutal stuff and this is a brutal movie too so it's like there's that essence of making you really want to feel for these characters because of the brutality of the time period that they lived in um but there isn't enough time spent on kind of you were even not time spent, but it's like it was it was poorly executed where you could savvily connect these people in in a way that makes you feel emotionally tied to them without spending a whole lot of time with them. But they just didn't execute on that and then just kind of said, OK, we need this to kind of equal Y to equal Z and then we'll move on. And that's kind of how it felt. And so when these climate, when these things did happen to your characters beyond the, the base value of them going through an unfortunate time. Uh, you didn't really feel that that deep connection with them, which I think um, really played out throughout most of the time. I mean, I think that sometimes happened with um, Chris Pine's character, also Robert the Bruce, and you spend the most time with them um, throughout the throughout the movie. So I think if it was told in that longer scale narrative, I think you would be kind of playing with oh, there are some serious, boring court scenes where we just have to talk about the politics. We need to talk about why this is and feudalism and et cetera like that. Um, but in the end, you might have been able to pull off an emotional thing, which is kind of what uh, The Last Kingdom does quite well. And I yeah. think this was kind of suited to be in one of those series. Mm. Because, like I was saying, is like at the end, you don't know if that's the middle or the end of the movie. And when it turns out to be the end of the movie, somebody feels like, man, I really kind of want to see how this finishes out. But then you get into, then you get into title sequences and it kind of wraps up. So... Uh, who knows what that longer cut might have been? 
probably has harkened back to like the Kingdom of Heaven long cuts, which are okay. Doesn't really change Three. the difference of the narrative, but all right, we're um, recording. Maybe it, it, it explains some of these Shane, you good? guys. Okay, on that note, before we close off this wonderful review, I want to ask you guys, because we talked about it briefly with comparisons to Braveheart, but this movie also brings other comparisons of similar movies such as Kingdom of Heaven and Gladiator. Uh, I know, Travis, you're definitely a fan of those those movies, so I'm going to go to Shane first with this one. How does it compare to, how does it compare to movies of its kind uh, for people who are fans of those movies, and in what context would you recommend this movie to, pe to people? I would recommend this movie to people if you're a fan of those type of movies. Now, me and my dad, if any movie that we watch and there's like a fucking bow and arrow and a sword, like, yeah, we're 100% watching it. I mean, I loved King Arthur and you guys pretty much hated it. I don't know if you hated it, Travis, but I know not seen it yet, but, but I'm going to be watching. <laughs> but I love those kinds of movies. So I, I definitely would recommend it if you're into the genre, but if you're not, stay away from it because you're just gonna waste fucking two hours of your life um how does it compare to those movies it doesn't <laughs> to me um you'll enjoy it but it doesn't come close to any ridley scott epic adventure um i'd say mostly because of the feel of the movie it's just the whole presentation even though it looks amazing um there's something about the pacing the soundtrack that are just nowhere close to to oh king of heaven gladiator even fucking robin hood not even close to that yeah i'd, I'd even say that um but the, no, that you know, robin hood was good there's like a battle scene with especially ridley scott directing it you feel it you're into it and this one uh, not really the scene is just playing out in front of you but you're i've never felt like the guy was in danger and could get killed at any moment um also the score was a big factor for me because i think those movies really deserve a very impactful score <clears throat> and the type of epic score that you walk out of the theater whenever you stop watching the movie it kind of still still going on in your head and this one had a very weak one very very weak one um no i was gonna say for example braveheart like you, you can always remember the braveheart song you know, it's always going to be there. Like 20 years later, it's still playing in my head. But this one, just nothing. Not even close. So, yeah. Travis, I throw it to you. As someone who has watched many of these movies, um, how do you think it compares? And in what context would you recommend this um, film? I'd say, so Shane and I are cut from the same cloth with the, you know, you pull out a sword and we're, we're just going to be engaged. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's, that, that is pretty <laughs> consistent. Um, you know, actually interesting take on the score there, Shane, because I, I guess me not remembering anything particular about the score is, is actually good, uh, <laughs> good commentary. Uh I'd say so. I, if let's just take those in in, in a, a chunk. So if we were to look at Braveheart, Kingdom of Heaven, Gladiator as our kind of spectrum, I'd put mm -hmm. Gladiator at your ten, right? I think that mm -hmm. really Scott, it's one of the masterpieces. Um, mm -hmm. You would throw Braveheart in the middle and Kingdom Heaven on the other. No, you know, I'd throw Kingdom in Heaven in the middle and Braveheart on the other end. Um, because Braveheart is just super dramatized. I mean, if you watch yes. AMC's Braveheart and you watch the ticker at the bottom, it basically says, this actually didn't happen, but Mel Gibson thought it'd be great for the film, so it happened. I mean, like, there's just like, <laughs> there's a cut of time where historians and critics alike just let Mel Gibson 
go on a bender of drunk history. Like yeah. in the Patriot, they have the British burning a church full of Americans to death. Like that's a war crime that apparently cinema's just like fuck it, fine. Like that's almost that's insulting to like British people. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's why like Braveheart and Mel Gibson lore has to go on like the other end of the spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, is like with that you get a lot. You get like a dramatic movie that has dramatic movie tropes that you can blend with. Um, Ridley Scott, his Kingdom of Heaven and Gladiator, like, I agree with Shane. Ridley Scott, probably the owner of this genre. I think that he just inherently knows how to film a film like this. Uh, the scale in which he shows the battle, um, especially in Kingdom of Heaven, um, is fantastic. I mean, I think if you look at what Gladiator showed you in the very first scene, which might be one of the best ancient battle scenes on cinema, period, hard stop, mm-hmm. Um and then you you take that into Kingdom of Heaven. When you're looking there, be like, wow, this is definitely like this is as accurate, I think, as I can get. You know, without having, without having like save the day movements by the the main character where he's just, you know, almost like people in uh, in that samurai warrior game where you just like have millions of people around you just slashing, you know, and just like taking them out. <laughs> um, which I I think a bad battle scene actually evokes and. You know, the final battle scene here was fine. Um, it, but again, it's just like you have Mackenzie who is not a f- – he doesn't make these films. So you can tell that. Like Scott knows how to make mm-hmm. these films. Um, but that being said, I would throw this kind of – if Braveheart is at the end of it, this is definitely – it'd go Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven, um, Outlaw King, and Braveheart just because this – seems to me like it's cut from the same cloth as Braveheart. It's just a little bit more polished and a little bit more historically accurate. But in the same tone, it feels like a Braveheart movie 20 years after the fact or something like that. Like The tech just kind of catched up. You kind of have a more gritty film, sure. Um, But again, I go back to, uh, you know, the difference between all these films, even Braveheart included versus Outlaw King is the immersive factor is like you don't feel as immersed and i'm not saying that from a you know you can tell that the costumes are great the location's great that's all fine but it's the acting that just it doesn't quite go across the finish line especially in the background actors and i like to akin it to as if you had a a good steak dinner served to you on a styrofoam plate i just feel like that is kind of how it feels at points where it's just not quite there but that being said, I am recommending this movie to anyone who wants to go see a historical film of this nature. I think that it is, I think that it's a movie that people will feel fine after watching. It's enticing enough. Um, it's certainly not a bad movie. I don't think so. So, yeah. Okay. With that being said, guys, do you guys feel that you want to watch this movie? Have they convinced you that you should watch it at some point or not? Let us know. I will say Info this. at the nerdy bunch dot com. And as the worst thing about the movie, quite possibly, might be is that in the title, in the beginning title sequence, they do outlaw slash king. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't know who made that call yeah. in the editing room. I mean, who puts the grammatic hyphen? What the fuck was that? <laughs> I, know, like, I just kind of ignored you read it. it, and it's so blatantly noticeable. It doesn't say outlaw king. It says <laughs> outlaw slash king, like almost as if it was an editing note. And then they saw it in the film, be like, "Fuck, we can't change that." <laughs> what? Well, isn't that what do you mean? Is is the, are you criticizing the visual edit or the concept of splitting? Oh, it's in words? total. It's like why would you add a? But a isn't dash? that like? But isn't that the, isn't that the point of the story? Isn't that the point? Is he's an outlaw and a king? 
No, but it's like it's like outlaw dash king. So it's like they're one and the same, which is true. But when you're reading it, it's like it's why would you put that in there? Like outlaw king is just as fine if you did outlaw slash king, and yet they have outlaw slash king. And you look at it and be like, why did they put a slash in the title? It looks horrible. It's almost like an edit that just magically you know mishappenly <laughs> got there, and they're like, fuck, we can't change this now. It's now outlaw slash king. I mean, without having seen it myself, it, it, for me, it just sounds like they're trying at least maybe poor execution but they're trying to do the play on words that he's an outlaw and a king and sometimes at the same time sometimes at different times i don't know i haven't seen the film but do you guys want to see the film i'm probably not going to see the film but that's just me but i'm not as swords and sandals as these guys though kingdom of heaven the director's cut specifically is amazing gladiator is fantastic check out one of our news podcasts we actually spoke about a gladiator sequel that ridley scott recently announced sounds interesting um Thank you guys for being here. Shane, always yes. glad to hear your voice. Thank you. Once in a while, I'll pop in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Travis. Oh, my For your, your insights. Always, always much appreciated. Thank you guys for listening. Check out The Nerdy Bunch every weekday, Monday through Friday. There's a new podcast that we release. There's reviews. There's a bunch of trailers, which Travis and I are literally about to record. There's Back to the Feature with Raven and I, where we talk about movies from the past in the present. And we have the Otaku's Lounge, where they talk anime. And Carlos and I have... Ah, and Carlos and I have brought back the return of Rooftop Talk, where we just discuss something randomly in the film world. So check out The Nerdy Bunch, Monday to Friday, and send us an email, info at thenerdybunch.com, and check out all our social medias, because Travis likes to talk to you guys at The Nerdy Bunch. And as always, guys, my name's English Dave. Keep it nerdy. Keep it nerdy. <laughs>